Hey, welcome everybody to Blackhawk Church Online. My name is Matt, I'm one of the pastors on staff, and uh, welcome to my backyard. So you might be wondering why in the world we're doing the sermon back here. Well, the reason is my wife and I were spending time with a friend this week. We were in close proximity to him and he ended up getting tested for COVID and tested positive. And so all of a sudden, my wife and I, we had to quarantine and uh, we've been quarantining for the last couple days. We did go and get tested and actually just found out a couple hours ago that we are negative. So that's great. But our doctor has recommended that we go ahead and continue to quarantine for the full 14 days. That's the reason why I'm not with the rest of the team recording right now at Blackhawk, but we are in my backyard doing a sermon. So this is church in the wild right now. There are kids playing across the street. There are people doing yard work. We hear cars going by and planes flying over and we're just going for it. So if you hear things like that, that's the reason why. But in all honesty, it really is great to be able to be with you. And um, I want to start off actually by asking a question. I know you're at home right now, potentially just with a couple people or by yourself. Maybe you are doing a watch party right now with a handful of people. That's awesome. But uh, I, I would love to get a raise of hands. How many of you are on some form of social media? Yeah. Okay. Didn't see you, but I'm trusting that you're playing along. And I'm guessing that for a lot of you, um, one of those platforms that you're on is Facebook. Like my wife and I, we are on Instagram, but we also still have our Facebook profiles. And when I click onto Facebook, Facebook does something that uh, they've just started to do really since 2018 that I actually, I kind of love. It's something called Facebook memories, where all of a sudden, like in your feed, as soon as you click on it, there'll be a Facebook memory of a picture of uh, something that you posted potentially years ago. And, uh, and in that particular post, man, like just as you look at it, it just brings back all kinds of memories. Like for instance, just a couple days ago, uh, I clicked onto Facebook and there was a picture that came up from 10 years ago of my daughters back when they were in elementary school playing on our trampoline in our backyard with a college girl going to the University of Wisconsin who went to Blackhawk and spent time with our family. This girl, Kelsey, was trying to teach them some different tricks and I watched it and I immediately went and showed my wife. And as soon as Rachel saw it, she just went, Oh, I just love that. You know, oh, I remember when our girls were that size and oh, Kelsey, I wonder how she's doing. And it just took us both back into the moment. It was like remembering caused a reaction. And that's something that's true for all of us. When we remember different things, we see a photo or a video of something like that, like something that Facebook will put up, it causes a reaction. It takes us back into that moment of that party we went to with friends or that concert that we took in or that weekend away, you know, any of those type of things, it takes us back into that moment. And there's something powerful about it that when we see things, when we remember, there is a reaction. That's actually what we're going to talk about today in today's message. I'd love for you to turn with me right now. If you've got your Bible, if you don't, you can go and grab it. We're going to be taking a look today at Psalm 103. If you haven't been around for this summer, we have been in a series uh, called If I'm Honest, where we're all as teachers taking a look at some of our favorite Psalms and we're taking a look at the emotion and the rawness that took place in these different Psalms, making them into what they are. And today we're looking at this particular one, Psalm 103, that I think you're gonna love. Let's listen to it together right now. Psalm 103 of David. 
Say, praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my most being praise his holy name. Alaba alma mía al Señor. Y no olvides ninguno de sus beneficios. Dia yang mengampuni segala kesalahanmu, yang menyembuhkan segala penyakitmu. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. El colma de bienes tu vida y te rejuvenece como las hay a las águilas. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deed to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger, bound to love. No sostiene para siempre su querella, ni guarda rencor eternamente. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our inequities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Tan compasivos es el Señor con los que le temen, como lo es un padre con sus hijos. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. El hombre es como la hierba. Sus días florecen como la flor del campo. The wind blows over and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. Bagi orang-orang yang berpegang pada perjanjiannya, dan yang ingat untuk melakukan titahnya. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding. Who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works. Praise the Lord, all his works. Everywhere in his dominion. Everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. Man, this is just an amazing psalm that we are looking at today. Psalm 103 is one of my favorite psalms. And in fact, um, many theologians actually say that out of the 150 different psalms in the book of Psalms, Psalm 103 is like the Mount Everest of all the psalms, taking its readers to like extraordinary heights. And one thing that you'll notice in it is that it is 100% praise. Like that's all David is doing in this psalm. Think about it, that he's not asking God for anything. He's not lamenting or crying out in any way. Everything about it is him just praising God. Which for some of you right now, that might be exactly where you are. But for others of you, you might be watching this and going, Matt, I just don't really feel like praising God right now. Like in the midst of COVID season, that just doesn't feel all that good. Trust me, my wife and I over the last two days as we've been waiting for results, yeah, I would feel the same way. Just didn't really feel like praising God. Or maybe for you, you've been watching everything that's been taking place in Kenosha. And uh, you've been watching the reality of another black man who was shot by a police officer. And that entire situation has just felt like pouring salt into an open wound. And you're going, I just don't feel like praising God. Or I, I know all kinds of friends of mine who have kids who are going back to school right now, going back to school online. 
as you're dealing with all the struggle of realizing what life is going to look like in this season and trying to figure out how you're going to juggle being a parent, now being a teacher and having a job and causing all of that to fit together in some way. There are just so many things like that that can cause us to feel like I just don't really feel like praising God right now. But that's actually why I think it's so good for us to dive into this passage of scripture together. Because I think there's some incredible things that we can learn for David, learn, learn from David on what it looks like for us to praise God in any situation of life. And I'll give you a hint on what it really kind of lands on. It's this idea of remembering. Now, for some of you, you might be going, okay, wait, Matt, remembering Remembering the past, having these Facebook memories with God. Haven't we already talked about that this summer? And the answer to that is, well, yes, we, we definitely have. In fact, just a, a handful of weeks ago, I preached on a Psalm, Psalm 77. And the main idea of that Psalm was we gain peace in the present by remembering God's power in the past. It has to do with remembering. And I talked about the idea of in 2020, we don't just need hindsight Hindsight isn't just 2020. It's not hindsight. How do I say that again? Hindsight is 2020. But the thing that we need right now is hindsight in 2020. And so, man, so much of that psalm has to do with remembering. The reality is when, when we look at psalms as a whole, we realize, man, the topic of remembering comes up quite often. Like it's as if God knew that we were forgetful people. And so he wanted us to be able to take time to remember who he is and what he's done for us. And so that's what we're going to look at in this passage of scripture as we dive into Psalm 103 today. We're going to look at three particular areas that I think are pointed out in this passage. One is, uh, one is God's uh, benefits. The other one is his bio. And last is the big picture, all three B's for any of you note takers to be able to move towards that. So let's dive into the passage together. Psalm 103 verse one says this, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, forget not all his benefits. Okay, now here's the thing. Um, when we look at this passage of scripture, it, it, it's interesting when we take a look at other Psalms to see who it is that, that, that the author, David, or whoever it might be is actually talking to. There are many of them that are prayers to God. There are other ones where they are exhorting all kinds of other people, the people of Israel. But in this one, who's the audience that David is talking to? <laughs> David's actually talking to himself. Like he's exhorting himself. In fact, in the New Living Translation, this passage of scripture, it's translated saying, praise the Lord, I tell myself. It's like David is having a conversation with himself, reminding himself to forget not the benefits of God. He wants himself to remember who it is that God is. And he starts off in this particular area of the benefits of God. He says this, let's look at this idea of the benefits. Verse two, praise the Lord, my soul, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins? and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. 
right away as you read this passage, there might be some different things that stick out to you. I mean, one of them being, Matt, I'm just not so sure when I read that passage that I'm buying what it is that David's saying, like forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Hello, COVID, you know? Well, look, in order to understand that, we've got to remember the fact that what we're, we're doing here is we're looking at ancient Hebrew poetry. You see, like for us in, in today's day and age, you know, in the Western world 2020 that we live in, we like, we like literal, factual, definitive statements. And the problem comes in is when we try to read ancient Hebrew scripture that way, we've got to understand that David is trying to, 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 to raise emotions inside of the person who is listening to something like this. And he actually, in this particular section, he is using something uh, called parallelism that was used a lot in ancient Hebrew poetry where he would take two different statements that sound different but have the same cadence and use them to make the same statement altogether. So in other words, what he's saying when he reads, who forgives all your sins and who heals all your diseases, he's not actually talking about sickness. In, in, in Hebrew poetry, there are times where sin is actually talked about as illness or, or sickness. And so what he's doing is trying to make one statement about the idea of God and the way that he deals with our sins. And then on top of that, he makes other statements all throughout this first section. What does God do for us? He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires with good things. He works justice for the oppressed. Let me ask you a question. Do these phrases, do they ring true for you right now? Like, are you one who, when you look at your life, you see yourself as one who is redeemed from the pit? Or if you're honest, do you feel like you're in the pit right now? You know, one of the things that I appreciate about David is that David understood what it was like to be in the pit. In fact, in many of the different Psalms that he wrote that we could look at, different ones that we've looked at this summer, there are times where he is just crying out from the pit talking about the pain and anguish and suffering that he's going through. David understood that we live in a broken world. And so David's painting a picture that when, when we enter into a relationship with God, he, he doesn't say, well, we're never going to be in the pit. We live in a broken world. There are going to be seasons where we feel like we're in the pit. But there's beauty in the reality that we serve a God who doesn't ever just let the pit win. We serve a God who doesn't let injustice win the day. That ultimately he's the one who wins the day. You know, the greatest benefit that God ever gave us that shows us about his love for us and winning the day actually is him sending his son into this world. I mean, think about that. God sent his son into the pit in order to redeem us from the pit so he could crown us with things like love in compassion. You know, he's the one who saw that we were in a pit. We couldn't get out of ourselves. And so he sent his son to do what we couldn't do on our own, paying the penalty for our sins so that we could be in right relationship with God again. It is the ultimate benefit that God ever gave us. And for some of us, maybe there's something powerful in us just being able to stop and remember the ultimate benefit of God. For some of you right now, it might not be about remembering though. 
for some of you who are listening, maybe like for the first time, you're, you're just realizing that you need a savior. It's not about remembering what God's done. It's about realizing that, man, you're in a pit and you can't get out yourself. It's about realizing that you need a savior and that God loved you enough to send his son into this world to pay a penalty you could never pay on your own. It's the greatest benefit we'd ever been offered and it's offered to you freely. And if you would like to talk, listen, if you'd like to talk to somebody more about this and you are watching on any of our platforms right now that has a chat feature, you can click on that prayer button and there is someone there who would love to have this conversation more with you. I mean, if you're watching in a different way or watching one of our recorded message, you can call our church or email our church and we would have somebody who would love to sit down and have more of this conversation with you. You have a God who loves you to such a great level that he sent his son into the pit so that you could be redeemed from it. It will change your life forever. These are the benefits of God. And we, when we remember the benefits of God, <laughs> we react with praise. But David doesn't just continue on with just the benefits of God. He wants to move to another place of us being able to see the bio of God. In other words, who he is. The benefits are what he's done for us. But the bio is just simply who God is. Let's go back to the passage for a minute now. Verse seven, he said, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Okay, now what's taking place? One is, is that David is really helping us to understand who God is. He is compassionate and gracious. But all of these words that he's saying there, he's actually quoting from earlier on in the book of Exodus, from the time when Moses had led the people to the base of Mount Sinai. And he goes up to be with God and God appears to him in this time. And as God appears to him, Moses hears this voice saying these words in Exodus chapter 34, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Like this is to the core who God is. David's remembering that from the past. And then David even goes beyond that to help us see who God is by giving us these, um, these word pictures, these metaphors or hyperbole of, uh, of who God is in character. He does another one in verse 11 where he says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. You know, here's the thing. We can, um, we can read sections like this for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And, and we can just easily gloss something like that over. You know, like it just kind of hits us like white noise. There's something powerful when we actually stop to think about what David was saying. I mean, think David did not understand the universe the way that we do. With technology and science, what we have and things like the Hubble telescope, we're able to see the vastness of the universe in a way that David couldn't imagine. But let's just think for a minute of what David was able to see, of the stars that he could see with his naked eye. And he knew they were a far distance, but had no idea actually how far they really were. So let's talk about it. Okay, if David is looking up at the night sky, let's talk about the distance of even just the closest star that one can see in the night sky. It's one in the Southern hemisphere called Proxima Centauri. 
And that particular star is close to 25 trillion miles away from us right now. I mean, you think about it, like you get in a plane, we're going six or seven miles above the Earth's surface. That feels kind of high. Close to 25 trillion miles away from us. You see, we begin to just look at numbers and that's the closest star to our planet that we can see in the night sky. Like we think about things like that, it begins to blow our mind with the idea of that distance. And then when we compare that to God's love that he has for us, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around. That's where David was going with this idea. He gives us another word picture in the next verse, verse 12, where he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he rem- has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, again, David didn't have a perspective of what the world looked like the way that we do. You know, it wasn't like in his palace, he had a little globe sitting in the corner that he could look at as he was writing this. But I think it's interesting to think that all scripture is inspired by God. David didn't use the words north and south, he used the words east and west. Because for any of us, when we do look at a globe, we know that when we travel north, we finally get to about as far north as we can go, the North Pole. And then from that point, the direction we're headed is south. It's like north and south, there is a fixed distance between those two directions. But when we look at a globe and we head east, well, we can just keep heading east. Or if you're heading west, you can just keep heading west. It's this infinite distance that never ends. I mean, it's incredible to think as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed your sin and my sin from us. And then he goes on to give a picture of, as a father has compassion, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You know, now, look, I know that all of us didn't grow up with a dad. And, and for many of us, we might not have had a good dad. Uh, that's just the reality of the world and the brokenness of the world that, that we live in today. For, for me personally, I had a pretty fantastic dad. And um, he didn't do everything perfect. But I remember this one particular situation. Actually, I think I've talked about before here at church where um, uh, when I was 16, um, a few friends of mine and myself, we asked my parents if we could borrow the minivan to go about 30 minutes up the coast to go surfing. And, uh, but the thing is, we never planned on just going 30 minutes away. We went three and a half hours away up the coast. And while we were three and a half hours away in my parents' minivan, we like killed their car, like destroyed the electrical system. There was no way that we were getting home. They had no idea how far away we actually were. And I had to go call my dad and tell him what had happened and confess to everything that had taken place and figure out what to do. Compassion is an interesting word because compassion is like love on display. It's like when we see someone who is hurting and because of the love we have for them, taking action towards them. You see, that day when I made that call to my dad, I, <laughs> I was embarrassed. I felt so guilty and ashamed. Like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who else to turn to. And I called my dad and told him what we had done. You know, it was interesting. My dad in that moment, he could have just forgiven us, but he didn't. He moved towards us. He could have easily just said, Matt, wow. Hey, listen, that sounds rough, but I want you to know something. I forgive you. 
man, now good luck getting home. Can't wait to see you whenever you get here. <laughs> but he didn't do that. He said, where are you? I'm on my way. And he drove up and he bailed us out. And he took the car to get fixed. He didn't even make us pay for the car. See, that's, that's compassion. He, he, he saw the issue and the hurt that was going on with us and out of love, he moved towards us. He didn't just forgive us, he showed compassion towards us. You see, and that just scratches the surface of the type of compassion that God has for us. I mean, these three examples, God's love for us, God's forgiveness of us, his compassion towards us, it gives us a picture of who God is to the core. And we, when we remember who God is, when we remember the bio of God, it should move us towards a reaction of praise. But David doesn't just stay there. He then moves towards the picture of helping us to see who we are in comparison to God. Verse 14, he says this, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and it remembers its place no more. <laughs> he just, I don't know about you, but I don't normally just think of myself as dust or like grass because I put so much focus on me and who I am. But in reality, when we look at the big picture of the length of this world and then in comparison to that of all eternity, my life is so itty bitty, teeny tiny. You know, like he, he talks about us like a, a flower of the field. Like my wife, my wife every year, she does these, uh, these flower pots that she puts up in different places. Now you can kind of tell that this one is sort of on its last leg. A few weeks ago, yeah, a few or a few months ago, it looked amazing. But now it's kind of hurting. And my guess is by the end of this month, yeah, it's gonna be gone. And to be honest, here's the thing right now, even when I think about it, I can't even remember exactly what it looked like before. You know, and, and, and the other flower pots that my wife has done in the past, yeah, I couldn't tell you what they look like at all. You see, we put so much focus on ourselves and we forget the idea that our lives are so short and they are so temporary. And honestly, like we're gonna be forgotten. Like think about for just a minute, do you know the names of your great grandparents? What about go one generation past that? You see, it causes us to realize that in just a few short generations, like people are not going to remember me and they're not gonna remember you. But in comparison to God, man, we get a better idea of who he is. He continues on, listen to this. It says, but from everlasting to everlasting. In other words, no beginning, no ending. The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. I mean, these verses stand in stark contrast to what we have just heard about who we are. Me, I'm itty bitty, teeny tiny. But God, well, his love is from everlasting to everlasting. And he has a kingdom that is going to continue on forever that I have been invited into. He is creating a community and a people and a kingdom that will last on forever that I have been invited into. 
And we realize, I mean, this kingdom that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. You see, when we get to this place of this passage, what's David done? He's just laid out the benefits of God, the bio of God, the big picture of how small and insignificant I am in comparison to a massive God who's invited me into his eternal kingdom because of his love and compassion for me. Man, well, it takes David to a place of applause. Listen to these verses here at the end. He ends in a lot of ways, kind of the way that he began. He says, praise the Lord, you his angels. Notice here, he's no longer just talking to himself. Now he is opened up to talk to the angels, the heavenly beings, everything it is that God's ever created. He says, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. It's like David has moved to a place of massive applause. You know, it's interesting when you think about the different types of applause. Like, okay, one of the shows that I watch every once in a while just for fun is um, America's Got Talent. I just find it amusing. You know, I know there are other performance shows like that, like So You Think You Could Dance or American Idol. And it's always interesting to me when you see a person walk onto stage who no one has seen perform yet, like, like one of those audition moments in front of an audience. And as the person walks onto stage, I'm sure you've seen this before, there is a clap that takes place in that moment. It's a polite clap. It's one out of uh, obligation in some ways. This is what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment because you're stepping onto stage and I at least want to acknowledge you in some way. And so in order to be polite and be kind, I'm gonna clap for you this way. And every once in a while on this show though, you'll see someone who steps onto the stage and they begin to perform, whether it's singing or dancing, or I mean, on America's Got Talent, like juggling or acrobatics or a comedian, whatever it is that they do, and they just like kill it. Like they just blow everyone out of the water. The entire audience as they're watching is just mesmerized at what they're seeing take place in this moment. And they are totally tuned in to what this person is doing because of how well they are actually performing. And the performance ends and the room goes crazy. Sure, there is applause again, but it is a different type of applause. It is standing and clapping and going crazy, raising your hands, whooping it up, whistling and screaming for that person. Why? Because you've been so blown away at the way that they have performed. There's a reaction to that moment. And the thing that takes place then is now any time that people see this person perform, well, it's no longer just like this at the beginning. It's clapping and cheering and standing and whistling for that person. Why? because people remember what they have done in the past and it causes a reaction right now. It's the reason why if you ever go to a Taylor Swift or Bruno Mars concert, it's the reason why if you ever go watch the Bucks play and see Giannis Attentacumbo take the, you know, take the court at that point, it's the reason why people go crazy in that moment. It's because people remember what these people have done in the past and so there is a reaction in that moment. So my question is for you, when you think about praising God, well, what does your applause look like? Is it kind of like this? Because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. Like just sort of out of obligation, I know I'm supposed to praise God, so I'm gonna give him some praise. 
or is it standing ovation, wild cheering, because remembering what God has done in the past, the ways that he has worked, who he is, and who he is in comparison to us. There is a difference in the way that we applaud. I want to share a story with you that just for you'd have a chance to be able to watch for just a moment of another Black Hawker, a young woman named Bethany. And, uh, and her story about hearing about how her life moved from a place of this polite, obligated applause to a place of sheer praising God because of the way that he lifted her out of the pit. Take a look at this for a minute. I grew up in a typical Midwestern Scandinavian family, which means I attended the church my parents grew up in and met in. So I considered myself to be a good Christian and that I was doing everything all right. But as I moved away to college out of town, I stopped attending. I didn't seek out any groups on campus and I would only go to church, uh, becoming one of those people who only attends for the holidays when they're back home and mom and dad make them go. And as the years went on, I continued to feel myself drifting further from God, but at the same time, I did nothing for it. Uh, I would just consider and make an excuse. I'll just go in the quiet of my heart to church. I don't need to outwardly profess. Uh, the only time I ever prayed was the classic, Now I Lay Me. And you would never catch me singing in church if my life depended on it. And throwing hands up in praise was something I would feel absolutely uncomfortable for at the time. Fast forward to this fall, I was in a dark place. My husband and I were in a tough season in our marriage. Divorce was on the table, and I ultimately uh, wasn't planning on seeing 2019. Um, I had written out my goodbyes um, to those that were important to me and had a plan. But one morning I woke up feeling compelled to be closer to God in hopes that that would be some, some comfort in this time when I felt alone. And so I went to church and by myself and I sat in the back hoping that no one would see me and that I wouldn't run into anyone from work. And I sobbed the entire time. And the worship team sang Phil Wickman's uh, Living Hope. And as the verse played, um, then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the valleys, tore through the shadows of my soul. It really hit me. And I felt a sense of peace wash over me. And um, I knew I wasn't alone. And it was a sense of peace and comfort I hadn't felt in months. And uh, from that point on, I continued to pray regularly, uh, not only for myself, but for my husband. And for our marriage, and as the weeks and the months went on, I continued to hear that song on the radio, on my Spotify playlist, um, and at church. And I knew it was God's way of speaking to me, letting me know that everything would be okay, that ultimately I was going to survive this, and that he had forgiven me for wanting to give up. And uh, it's by God's grace that I'm here today um, and my husband and I are still married. And through um, God's word and, and marriage counseling and uh, a lot of scripture, reading and spending time together, um, we're all in and we're ready to do this. 
Bethany, thank you so much for being willing to share your story with all of us. When we look at a story like that, do you think that Bethany's praise changed it all in her life? She started off with this golfer clap applause of obligation. And then she experienced the radicalness of a love of God, of a compassionate God who sent his son into the pit for her. Man, do you think that her applause changed it all? And do you think that when she remembers back to the way that God's worked in her life, that her praise might look different? You see, that's what I think David was trying to get at through this entire Psalm. That when we remember the goodness of God, the power of God, the strength of God, the love and compassion and grace of God, it moves us to a place where we react naturally with praise. And so what I wanna do for just a minute is give you a minute to remember. Now I know that for some of you, you're like ready to like click off right now. For some of you, I know worship can be hard at the end of a message. It can be difficult to worship with a screen altogether. I get that. But I wanna ask you right now, rather than tuning out, I wanna ask you to lean in for just a minute. And I know that you might have kids running around and things are getting crazy, but I wanna ask you for just a couple minutes here, just to pause and simply remember, where in your life have you experienced God? Like, is it, is it from the benefits of God, what he's brought to your life? Is it simply just from the bio of God, who he is that you're just blown away by? Or is it the big picture of, of a God who sees us, knows that we're really itty bitty, teeny tiny, and yet loves us to such a great level, he invites us into his eternal story. He's that big. So I wanna just invite you to have a couple moments right now just to stop and think about these things in hopes that as we move into this last short little time of worship, that it would be a natural reaction from the effects of remembering how great God is. Hey, love you all so much. Can't wait to see you sometime soon. Let's take a couple minutes right now just to be able to remember.